I'm Shannon. And I'm Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Shannon, um, I'm going to need some support on the intro this week. And I don't know how to go about getting your support on the intro. So... Can you tell me what we're talking about this week? And maybe at the end of it, we can get a good intro. Rami, we're going to have a great intro for you by the end of this episode. Uh, Today, we're talking about how to get people to help you. I feel like this is a thing that a a lot of people would like to be better at. You know, like, how do we get people to want to help us? So here's the background. I read this book called Reinforcements, and it's all about the psychology of helping. It's a fascinating read, and I also think we could save you time, <laughs> because I really only found the last third of the book that useful. So today, we're just going to talk about what happened in the last third of the book. Specifically, we're going to talk about what are the four steps for getting people to help you, and the three best methods to employ when asking for help. I love it. I want the top seven tips out of this book, Yeah, and I don't want to have to read it. <laughs> Great. First, let's do some fun facts, though. Rami, did you know that studies show people underestimate how many are willing to help by over half? So what that means is 20 people, if you say that uh, there's 20 people, people estimate that only 10 will be willing to help them, but really 20 are willing to help them. I don't know. If 100% I did of people are willing to help? <laughs> Not 100% of people. I probably don't have the math there, but basically, people will estimate that there's only five people for any number, and really there's ten. You know, so like, say that there's oh, I see. Yes, yes. Like, if you got if your car broke down on the side of the road, like, how many people do you think would help you? And you'd say like one, and they'd be like, no, it's actually two. Yes, exactly. That's a better way to put it. I wrote these notes a long time ago. Bear with me. <laughs> Uh, And then in the workplace specifically, estimates suggest that as much as 75 to 90% of the help colleagues give one another is in response to direct appeals. So you know how people feel like, they're like, oh, but I don't want to be direct, you know, like they kind of beat around the bush or be passive aggressive about it. Mm -hmm. No, the best way to get people to help you at work is to explicitly say you want them to help you. 75 to 90%. Yeah. Is because someone directly appealed for the help. Yes. So if you want help, you have to directly ask for it. That is the only that is basically the only kind of help that gets handed out at work. 75 to 90% of the time, that's the that's it. Okay. So let's talk about four steps for getting people to help you. This is maybe a good segue. First, the helper needs to notice that you might need help. So it goes back to that statistic that we just talked about. People don't attend to everything happening around them. If we go way back to episode 134, where Rami talked about inattentional blindness, (laughs) people will miss the gorilla on the screen. That's why you have to be explicit. The helper needs to notice that you might need help. The second step for getting people to help you, the helper needs to believe that you desire help. People are not mind readers. My husband and I have this rule in our marriage. We do not expect each other to be mind readers. (laughs) So I like 
both of these, Shannon, uh, a lot. Yeah. So they need to notice that you might need help, mm-hmm. and they need to believe that you desire help. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like um, with a little kid or something. Like, they're struggling, so you notice that they might need help. Maybe you give them a second, and they're still struggling, and now you believe that they desire help because they're getting frustrated. Yes, yes. That's a good example to use. People will also assume that if you want help, you're going to ask for it. So there will be people who might just let the kid struggle, right? Because they're not asking for help. That's more than not the assumption that people make. If you wanted help, you would explicitly ask for it. You will struggle in silence rather than ask for help. You will struggle in silence until you explicitly need help is what people assume. Yes. They want to, they need to believe that you desire help. And if you do not make that desire explicit, they won't know. They won't know. Okay. So the third step, the helper needs to take responsibility for helping. So here's the example that I'll give here. If a lot of people could help, they'll have the why me, like, why should I be the one to help? They'll have a bystander effect. So I'm going to give an example that that's happening in my own family right now. (laughs) So my parents are aging and they need help. And I am one of 12 siblings and, uh, I might send a group text out to all 12 siblings and say, Robbie, actually it happened this morning. My mom sent an email to all of the siblings her oven mm-hmm. isn't working. She doesn't have an oven to bake things in right now. She's like, can someone please bake cookies for these people that are coming over? And can someone also bring small bills? Like she needs 10s and 20s for I don't even know what reason. When you ask a big group of people, it makes it less likely that any one person is going to stand up and raise their hand because everyone else is going to assume someone else is going to do it. Yep. So that's why it's we need to make sure that the helper is taking responsibility for helping. And we'll get to that a little bit later too. Um, Okay. And they have the other thing I want to share here that I thought was fascinating from the book. They talked about a seizure experiment example. So it wasn't a real person having a seizure, but they put eight people in individual rooms. Someone pretends to start having a seizure. How often do the participants that are seeing this person having a seizure ask for help? If they think they're the only person in the room, they asked for help 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. If they think they're with one other person, they only asked for help 80% of the time. If they think that there are six other people also available to be the one that asks for help, they only did it 60% of the time. Okay. So just to confirm yes. that I understand this, I'm in a room mm-hmm. and they go, hey, Rami, you and Shannon are in this room. Um, just sit here for a minute. And then you have a seizure. If I'm the only one in the room, I go, oh, shit, help, help. And then in the next instance, it's me. And they say, hey, there's another person also in the room. You have the seizure. 80% of the time, I will reach out for help. Yes. And then if there's six or more people, then it drops to 60% of the time. Yes. Yes. Interesting. So it really is driven by the amount of people available to support. Yes. 
So now let's shift into the the fourth step for getting to people to help you. The helper needs to have the ability to provide the help you need. I think this one's the most obvious. Like, well, duh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here, yes. her advice is that we need to be specific with our requests so people can accurately assess if they have the ability to help. Actually, I could use the example with my mom this morning again. She was not specific on what time frame she needed these cookies and she needed these small bills. <laughs> I live the furthest away. Does she need it today? I probably can't get it to her today. Does she need it tomorrow, Tuesday? Like, when does she need it? We have to be specific Mm -hmm. so I know if I'm able to help or not. Uh, The other recommendation that she has here is to keep the request right-sized to what the person can do. Do I have an oven too? Can I bake the cookies? If I Maybe my oven's broken as well, then I can't. Mm -hmm. And to be open to receiving help different from the help you asked for. So in the example of my mom and these cookies, maybe I say, I can buy something and bring it out. You have to be open to that possibility. So let's pause here. Rami, if we think about these four factors, helping people notice, believe, take responsibility, and have the ability, where do you think you have work to do to get others to help you more? Uh, asking for it, which is not one of these things, but I will absolutely not ask for help. Well, I would say that that's number two. The helper needs to believe that you desire help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's one. Yeah. No way. No way am I going to let anyone desire that I know that I desire help. <laughs> Why? Here's the thing. But here's the thing, I think, is if I'm helping someone, I want to help someone right at the moment they think they need it, not when they're overly frustrated by the thing. And so I think for me, I'm going to assess my situation, my task, whatever it is that I'm doing at work. And if I know I'm going to at some point get frustrated with it and need help, I think I will proactively ask for it ahead of steps two through four. Mm-hmm. Or steps, I guess, two, step two. <laughs> so that, so that I am not getting to that point where I'm just like, I'm so pissed right now. I don't know what to do. I can't figure this out. Like I had it happen to me the other day. It was like, okay, here's a task I need to do that I know I could do, but it would be horrible. Yes. So I reached out to someone else and said, hey, here's my task. Um, who do we think? could support on this and they go oh reach out to this person great reach out to that person they supported me i took it i did what i needed to do with it and it was all ahead of me attempting to get frustrated by doing the thing which i think only comes with uh experience of having gotten frustrated enough in doing things that you should not be doing right it's a square hole with a round peg or whatever like for a while you'll be like no i can grid out and do this thing at some point you go no there has to be an efficient way to do these things and i'm not going to get frustrated let's proactively seek help and then like avoid those but that i think is in the workplace i think in a physical way of existing in the world like if you got i don't know if you had a tire explode on you while you're driving like god forbid that happens Like, you may not have a spare. You may not have the ability to put a spare on. 
and like you may at that point be through steps one through two by standing by your tire going like like waving your arms in the air saying like i don't know what to do with my thing <laughs> yes. and triple a hasn't shown up yet the cardboard sign like, saying help you, me <laughs> yeah like you may be giving off steps one and two without knowing it because you're in a different environment right like that's where i think the work place one is very different like the workplace one works in a place where you're doing a lot of physical tasks yes i think when you're doing a lot of like um digital tasks it's a lot harder to pick up unless you're sitting next to someone and you can hear them manifesting the frustration noises yes i'm curious to go back to your work example where you said you you noticed you said you needed help what made it easier to, for you to ask for help in that scenario i think if you're self-aware and understand your limitations and your strengths i think it's a lot easier to be like i am not going to succeed at this yes. thing and i know that it's a very simple thing for someone else like for me it may be like a nine out of ten in terms of difficulty but for someone else it's like a one or a two yes and then it's like, oh, it's actually nothing for this other person. And they'll feel really good to help me. Or I could, like, kill myself trying to do this. And I'm probably going to end up with a worse product than if I would have just asked someone. Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. This is good. I think for me, when I reflect on where I have some work to do to get other people to help me, it's at step two, for sure, of, like, First, I need to believe that I desire help. Mm -hmm. I don't always believe that I desire help. Or I'm not always clear with other people that I desire help. But for me, I actually think it's also about helping people take responsibility for what I want them to do. And I'll use the example of my siblings again. So again, there's 12 of us. We have this group text. In my sibling group, before I read this book, I would often just like put out the request on the group text like, hey, mom and dad's toilet is clogged. Who is responding? You know, it's just like that kind of a thing. And now I will, I will be, I will send more one-on-one -on -one texts. Like I will text my brother and say, we need a different lift situation for dad. Would you be willing to go over to their house tonight and assess? Cause he's an engineer. Like that's within his skill set. Or yep. when my mom and I were baking cookies Monday and we couldn't get our oven to work okay, I'm going to call one sister at a time in order of who lives the closest to mom's house instead of sending a blanket group text because it just doesn't work because no one takes responsibility when they think that they're one of 12 people. So that's the one that I'm focusing on. I think on. it also, I like that. And I like that because you make the person and their skill set feel wanted yes. when you ask them for help. And I think that makes people feel more excited or enthusiastic about the help? Yes. It's like a combination of like, three and four. It's I'm making exactly. sure that they're they they have the ability to help. And I'm inviting them to take responsibility for helping in this specific way. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So now let's talk about three methods to ask people for help without making them feel controlled, because that is a really important thing. We don't want people to feel controlled. Then they don't want to help you anymore. The first is to do what the author calls uh, invoking a sense of in-group. 
So group membership is an essential component of our identity. So when you're asking for help using the word together, highlighting a shared goal that you have with a person, talking about shared experiences and or feelings from this helping experience. So invoking a sense of in-group. The second method is to support the person you're asking for help in creating a positive identity. So make them feel good about themselves for helping. Do not make it about how much it would help you. This was a big learner for me in this book, because I think sometimes people will use that of like, oh my gosh, it would be helping me so much if you could do this thing for me. No, people are less likely to help you if you do that. Make it about them and their identity. Tie it to something that they want to be about and you'll succeed through and through. The third method is to provide them with an opportunity to see their own effectiveness. So people are more generous when they know their help will have a direct impact. So it's important that we're clear about the nature of the help and what the impact would be. Again, though, making it not necessarily about you when you're sharing the impact. Mm -hmm. And following up afterwards... Plus letting them know in advance that you will follow up afterwards. So those are the three methods. Invoke a sense of in-group, support a positive identity, and provide an opportunity for them to see their own effectiveness. I like that. Rami, I'm curious. Do you, whether you knew it or not, do you use any of these tactics or have others use these tactics on you that have compelled you to want to help them? Shannon, if someone's like, hey, I want you to do this thing and you're going to feel great afterwards... Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's easy. Yeah. Um, I help with social a lot. And a lot of what we do with social is like getting specifics from various parts of the organization. Uh, and so a lot of times what I will do is say like, hey, um, we want to highlight your group. And um, like what we need is to to have this data to show X. Um, because we want to really highlight all the amazing work you and your team has done. So like if we can get those types of things then we can tell the story and like really show we can put a spotlight on all the amazing work that you and your teams have been doing that like people aren't seeing every day. Yes, I like that. And it like always gets people pumped up and then they get so pumped when we do the post. So like it's a very self-fulfilling thing where it's like we want to do this thing to help you guys out. Like, can you help us? like color it in like we got the black and white but help us color it in and if we can do that then it's gonna like put a spotlight on your team and then then they see the spotlight and then they're happy about it so it's like a very self-fulfilling prophecy yeah i don't know that i have thoughts on how i've used these tactics explicitly but i i was thinking about times where other people have used these tactics on me and it's made me want to help So one is when my friend asks me for a ride to the airport, she always makes it about me. (laughs) She says, I know, I remember you saying that you wanted to be the kind of person that was never too busy to take your friend to the airport. And it doesn't, yes, and it's not manipulative. It, 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 like it, I'm truly grateful anytime that she brings that up because when I quit my corporate job and I chose to be an entrepreneur, it was like, I want to be the kind of person that like I can say yes to helping my friend or my neighbor on the drop of a hat and like I'm available for things. So I 
find that incredibly compelling because she's making it about me and supporting the positive identity that I want to have within myself. And then the other thing that came to mind was um, donating money to my alma mater. They, I feel like, are really good at the tactic of invoking a sense of in-group. You know, like, you're a part of this community. We are all in this together. Like, help your fellow Katie's out because you got, I mean, they don't say this, but this is what's implied. I received help from alums when I was in college. So now it's my turn to achieve. Can I just clarify your school's... um like you went to St. <laughs> Kate's know. and so they're called the Katie's. Yes. Like that's what the, so is your mascot like a, a lady named Katie? <laughs> but I love that that rhymes a lady named Katie. No, the mascot I think is like a bobcat or something or a wildcat. A wildcat. And that would make a, sense because like cat for a Catherine. Wild, a wild Kate. Yeah. yeah. But we call the, like the alum population is called like Katie's like, oh, like if I saw somebody that went to St. Kate's on the street, I'd be like, oh, you're a Katie too. You know, like that's just what you say. And you would know because they're wearing some swag or something. Yeah, sure. Or people comment, I have the St. Kate's license plate. It's it's like one of those special license plates you can get where there's like the emblem. So. Oh, like the handicap ones and like the other ones with like the yes. like the shorter ones, like the ones that have less Letters. things on them. Yes. So yes. I have that. So people will like see my car in the street and like the hospice nurse for my dad commented on it. He's like, oh, you're a Katie too? You know, it's like, well, yeah, sure. Oh, I know so-and-so <laughs> who went to St. Kate's. Did you know them? <laughs> Is uh, St. Kate's a woman's only Ish. It is for undergrad. It's not for master's programs. Oh, and maybe not for associates as well. But if you, yeah, like if you're on campus, if you're living on campus, yes. If you're undergrad, So yes. you'd have male graduate students who would, in fact, become Katie's at some point. Yes, you would. Definitely. Okay, now that we've cleared, cleared up the in-group title for St. Gates... <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about tactics. So the next time that you're asking for help, here's our like hard and fast takeaways. First, be explicit in your requests for help and ask people directly versus asking a large group. People are just too busy to notice because of an intentional blindness. And even when they see you might need help, they want to be sure that you actually need it. You actually desire it. They don't want to feel foolish or offer unneeded or inappropriate help. Okay. I like this a lot. And I think if you need to visualize it, just imagine being in a room with a bunch of colleagues and saying, hey, I need someone's help to do X. Like, it's pulling freaking teeth to do that. Where if you were like, hey, Shannon, I know you're really good at this. Can you help me with this task? You'd be like, oh, yeah, I am really good at that. I will help you. Cool. No problem. (laughs) But if you guys all remember being in a big group and being like, I need someone to help me fold chairs. (laughs) It's just dead noise for a minute until someone's like okay i feel bad for them i'm gonna help them with the chairs totally i'm gonna visually see that scenario playing out literally it plays out every sunday uh okay second employ one of the three tactics when asking for help which again tactic one invoke a sense of in-group or being on the same team support their positive identity in other words don't make it about you and how much it's going to help you or how much time it's going to save you. And finally, ensure that you're offering an opportunity for them to feel effective by making sure like what you're asking them for help for is something they can actually do and feel good about doing, like feel effective doing it. 
Okay, we would love for you to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram and tell us, what's the time someone asked you for help and you said yes? Can you identify the tactic that worked on you? You know, what was it? Like, oh, it's because they were a fellow alum. And so I wanted to help them out in getting a new job. Mm-hmm. It was because blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. Yep. Let us know. I've been Shannon. And I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs> 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 <laughs>